0: All right, prayer.
1: All earthly things with earth will fade away. But prayer grasps eternity. And I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer.
0: Prayer is not a position on your knees. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather, God whisperer, a secret into your heart that breaks you. Somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have.
1: Well, hello, everyone. We are so thankful you're here today. It's, uh, it's snowing outside it's not please I know it used to always snow close or on my birthday I mean Furman will tell you yeah, as we know uh, it would snow on birthday so I'm so thankful you're we going to start today where we always do we got to have some participation you know how I roll can't do this on my own so here we go let three people donate. know this God sees me God hears me and God loves me come on three people God sees me God hears me and God loves me God sees me God hears me, and God loves me. God sees me, God hears me, and God loves me. Now, for some of us, that might be scary. Sometimes, you know, it's almost like if we, when we were little, when mom and dad said, I see you. You know, you know I hear you. We kind of got that. But I want us to have freedom today, as we've just been worshiping, to know that God sees us, God hears us, and that God loves us. Because over these past few weeks, we've been going through this series on prayer. Now, we were going to wrap it up today, but we're going to kind of have a hybrid next week and put a bow on it. Can we do that next week and celebrate in the the house of the Lord? We can do both, right? We can do it. So so we're kind of going to have prayer and a half next week if that works. So today we're going to continue in this series on prayer because no matter where you are in the spectrum of following Jesus, the one thing we have in common is all of us have prayed at least one time. And now, when I say that, all of us can have a roller coaster of emotions, and our reaction to that word prayer is whether, what, not whether or not God answered our prayer, but whether God answered it the way we thought he should answer it, right? I mean, I've been praying for that lottery, and I'm telling you when I do, we're going to have some big old, I mean, y'all going to all roll in on RVs. You're all going to be Cousin Eddie, and we're going to roll them, I and it's going to be full of folks from Believing in Invisible Outreach. We're going to have them, we're going to bring them to church. We're going to be able to take care of them. I can't wait for that. But we've talked about why. Why do we all pray? Genesis 1, when God created the heavens and earth, it tells us that he created mankind in his image, planted inside of us. We are wired to communicate with God. And there is no denying that. And so when we talk about prayer, here is my prayer for our church throughout this series. And it's found in Ephesians 1, 17. Ephesians 1:17. And I've shared it each and every week, and I'm going to share it again today. And it's Paul talking to the Ephesians, and he says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That is our prayer every time we gather, is that each and every one of us would know God better. We would leave here knowing God better than how we walked in, that if there's just one little morsel to know God more, it's all worth it. And so today, that is what our prayer is. So together, we have defined prayer. We're going to say this together. We're going to put it up on the screen, what prayer is. So if, can, can you kill, still participate? Not kill me. I mean, it's in the Lord's name. But can we continue to participate today? It's going to be on the screen, what prayer is. We're going to say this together on the count of three, okay? One, two, three. Blank screen. I'm just kidding. One, two, three. Prayer is continuing a conversation with God that he started with his word by his grace, which through faith leads to a full relationship with him. That is a mouthful, I know. But growing up, I just heard prayer is a conversation with God, and I always thought I had to initiate it. But real prayer is actually responding to God who's already started the conversation from the foundations of the earth. So let me ask you a question today. Many of us today, how many of us are kind of in the trend uh, as we go along um, with the drive-through trend? You know what I'm talking about. Somebody pays for you in front. And 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 like you get surprised. How do you feel when that happens? When you roll up and you needed your Starbucks, you were having a rough day. Uh, maybe it was Starbucks. Don't lie, it was Chick Fil A. But it's okay. You had to go and you find out. You get up to the counter and they say someone prayed for you. Someone paid for your order. Excuse me, the person in front of you paid for your order. Doesn't that feel great? You're just excited. You're like, man, that's awesome. And then the cashier asks you the question that is the truth of behind it all. Would you like to keep it going? Now, do you want to keep it going? Because that's hard because you looked in the rearview mirror and it's a bus full of teenagers. <laughs> what do you do? Like, Lord, I just wanted, I just wanted a number one. Like, I don't even know how much it costs. I just, I had a $10 meal. I, I don't got, I ain't got $500 for these kids that got all these cookies. Like, don't we start making excuses? But how did we feel? Now, if the Lord's called us to it and we're obedient, we're going to do it, right? We're going to go ahead and do it. So let me ask you this when it comes to the drive through because this is what we're going to dive into today. What if your forgiveness was paid for by someone in front of you, and if you've received it, would you be willing to give it to someone behind you? That's what we're going to dive into today, as we learn through forgive us as we have forgiven, forgive us as we have forgiven, because it's one thing to spend your money. It's another thing to share forgiveness. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to be where we've been all the way through in the Lord's Prayer today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, where we started our series. If you don't have a Bible, as always, we have them free for the asking in the garden. Go grab it. You can follow along with us for free in our Vine Church app today. Make sure you download that. All kinds of crazy good stuff in there. But if you're doing this online, you can follow us on the notes tab inside of our Vine Church app. But as always, we can't say thank you enough to our Vine production team that'll make sure wherever you're watching around the world throughout the week, the Scripture is on the screen. You with me? Give me an amen. Amen Amen in the house of the Lord. We'll be done about dinner time. We're good. So here we go. Silence. Y'all are waiting for forgiveness. Here we go. We're going to read what Jesus said prayer is. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors, or also have forgiven our debtors, excuse me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this may sound a little different if you grew up in KJV, ends we'll talk about it in a minute, but for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We don't kind of have that in some of our translations now, but maybe that's how you grew up. So today, this is what we're diving into. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And when we look at this, some would call this, depending on the contemporary that you have, some would say that this is the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Some would say this is the fifth petition. Some would say this is the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh petition. So in order to keep things going, we said last week was the fourth, we're going to call today the fifth the sixth, and the seventh petition of the Lord's Prayer. The fifth petition is where we're going to spend most of our time on. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That's a lot to pull, pull together. See, the Christian life is marked, we've said a prayer of faith, by confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. We're going to unpack that even more in a minute. But what confession and repentance does is it allows us to receive God's forgiveness and then to extend it. So forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That leads to the sixth petition that is often sometimes misunderstood or maybe not so much misinterpreted, but you're trying to figure out what God's saying here. It says, lead us not into temptation. So let me ask you this. Is Jesus going to lead us into temptation? No. What we are praying is declaratively, each and every one of us will make a decision today. We'll have two choices. Jesus or anything but Jesus. Period. That's it. And so what we're praying is we don't take the anything but Jesus that is temptation that will lead us to sin that has one destination, death. Jesus leads us to one destination life. Now, that doesn't mean everything's easy peasy in Jesus, because I'm here to tell you it's not. It means that we're going to have trials. It means that we're going to have fire, but we understand that there's another in the fire with us, right, church? That when we walk through the fire, it's for purification. We, we, We walk through it to be made more in the image of Christ, to give God full glory, to know Him better. So, we have to make that choice. Lead us not into temptation. Which one will we choose? Temptation or trial by fire? Because we're going to have to make the choice. I'll take the fire every time because it, it, it revs up my metabolism. I need it. You know what I'm saying? So, that being said, the seventh petition is this Deliver us from the evil one. And it would go on if you're in NKJV, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. See, this brings us where we started to remind us that we aren't in a war of flesh and blood. We're in eternal spiritual battle. And it says, deliver us from the evil one. It is to remind us, we are preaching to our heart that Jesus has delivered us from the evil one. And just as he saw Satan fall down from heaven like lightning, man, one day he's going to come on that white horse and upon his thigh is going to be the king of kings and the lords of lords. And we're going to just see him completely throw Satan down into hell forever. No longer. But we have to worry about that. We're praying today that we don't go into temptation we are delivered from the evil one and we remember the victory that we have through Christ alone. And now this would be a great time. We love to stop the prayer right there, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, let's go to the all-you-can-eat buffet. Let's go get it. Let's get I'm just kidding, y'all. It's okay. I know the yeast rolls need to be warmed up at Wade's. It's okay. You got a little bit of time. They got a little bit of time. I think the other church has let out about 11. So we'll try our best. We'll try our best today for you to celebrate. But for real. Jesus wants to make sure we don't miss something, and it's found in verse 14 and 15. So if you got your Bible, let's go ahead and get there. Verse 14 and verse 15, and it says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whew, daggers, right? The most important thing is Jesus is reminding us of not only the forgiveness we receive, but the forgiveness that we're supposed to give. In other words, Jesus is saying, what you give, you will receive. We read about it this way in Luke 6, 36 and 37. If I remember, it's, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken up, overflowing upon your lap. For the measure with which you use be the measure with which you receive so what if today if you are withholding forgiveness you're missing out on the forgiveness that you can walk in see that's a lot to take in For each and every one of us, we don't don't really like that. But you see, we take for granted what the Old Testament saints had. Believe it or not, they would be in awe of what we get to have. We can pray in a gym. We can pray in a car. We can pray at lunch table. We can pray before we go to bed. We can pray in our bed. We have such great access to the forgiveness of God and the presence of God that they didn't. To be able to freely do that, for them there had to be a sacrifice required. As a matter of fact, you go and you read in Exodus when God talks about his covenant with his people, Exodus 6, if I remember right, maybe verse 7, somewhere in there, if you want to fact check me on that, that's all right, I know it's somewhere in there. God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. It goes all the way back to the covenant that God made with Abraham back in Genesis, What does that mean? This covenant relationship in the Old Testament required not just God's faithfulness, but our faithfulness to God. And throughout the entire Old Testament, we read about God's people, they were not faithful to Him. So for each and every one of you, what happened is we pulled up to the drive-through of forgiveness and we found out that we weren't faithful, the people in front of us weren't faithful, and the one behind us weren't faithful. So do we expect to receive the forgiveness of God at that moment? Logically speaking, no. The covenant should have been broken, but God in his faithfulness remained faithful to us in spite of us. And so for each and every one of us, this is where we have to be reminded that forgiveness that we have through Christ Jesus would be awe-inspiring. When we're celebrating in heaven one day with Elijah and Elisha, they're going to tell us how lucky we were. We read in the New Testament what the, that the saints that have gone before us long to see what we get to see and be a part of. And so today, I don't want us to miss something. God is, yes, forgiving. Yet he cannot let sin and justice and wickedness go unpunished. Because you see, here's the thing that we learn when we talk about forgive us our debts as our debtors. We understand sin has a cost. In the world we live in today, when it comes to debt, we have this big thing we call it as What? Presidents run on it right now. Forgive your debt. Let me ask you something. Is forgiveness of a debt the same as a debt being paid in full? Not. Why? Someone has to bear the cost of that debt. See, in order to receive forgiveness of the debt, someone had to eat the weight of that, bear the burden of that debt. Usually it's the lender who gave it to you. They miss out. They are not made whole. Now, when a debt is paid in full, that lender is made whole. That's a big difference. And we confuse the two. So let's look at that in the forgiveness of our life. Christ had to bear the cost of our forgiveness. See, we just think it's lot, like, hey, we just get a lotty-dotty, it's all right. We think that it's easy for us to understand the cost of forgiveness. But understand, sin had a debt that had to be paid. And so, let's talk about this cost of forgiveness. If you've got your Bible, Romans 3, Paul writes it to the Romans church, verse 25 through 26 it's a—if it's a, you ever want to go to Romans, Paul writes some awesome stuff to the Romans church. So, let's see what Paul says and talks about this cost of forgiveness and unpack it together. He says this, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith, right? God hears the prayer of faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand. Now, there's another debt word, forbearance. Hang on to that. We'll come to it in a second. Verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. What is Paul saying right here? And I want you to think about this. I think the hardest thing for God to do, believe it or not, is to forgive. Forgive. Now, hear me out. Before you call me a heretic, I'm not trying to get clicks or links or likes, and this is why. The cost that was paid for that forgiveness. Instead of leaving us in our mess, God came down to us as his one and only son. Think about that. It cost God everything to forgive us, and yet he still remains faithful. How can you not love that? How can, you not, how can you not sing, even if you sound like me and a barking dog, how can you not give worship to God for that? In spite of my unfaithfulness, he still loves me, even though it's probably the hardest thing he had to do. See, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, look at the cross. The cost of forgiveness was upon Christ. So here's what Paul is saying for all of us. God, it's right there in verse 25. Because in his forbearance, what God is saying is the debt of your sin will have to be paid one day, in eternity. We'll all stand before an almighty God, and we will have to pay for our sin one of two ways. The first way is we receive the free gift of salvation through Christ alone with our debt paid in full because we have trusted him by faith as our Lord and Savior. The second way is we try to save ourselves. And we try to pay our own debt, which is eternal death. We cannot do it. And so God in his mercy is forbearing that payment until the end. And so that is by his grace and mercy giving us the opportunity to have faith in Christ. The immense cost of this forgiveness See, because of the cross of Christ, now God can both be just against sin and merciful to the sinner. We can experience it fully now. So, when we look at the cost of forgiveness, the cost of forgiveness is really one word, faith. 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 What did Jesus do? He had faith when he went to the cross. He said, I'm coming to do the Father's will. He had faith. He had faith that each and every one of us, if given the opportunity, could still receive him as Lord and Savior if we trust him. We would receive the cost of forgiveness, that debt paid in full. All of us would be able to do that. And so faith, if we have faith in Christ, when we talk about this, the Christian life itself is marked by confession. And repentance, confession and repentance, those are those wonderful $2 words we like to use, but the truth is confession is acknowledging my sin, and repentance is turning from my sin and walking in Christ's way. That's it. Uh, better word is sanctification. See, a Christian life is full of confession and repentance because the only way to grow in the Christian life is to confess and repent. Otherwise, you're stuck. You're Israel, wandering for 40 years when you could have got there in just a few days to the promised land. And Jesus didn't die for us to wander. Instead, he died for us to be free. And so for us, when we look at confession and repentance, I want us to think about this. Confession and repentance shouldn't be forced compliance for us. We should willfully do it. And it's hard. And this is what I would say. Uh, On the Protestant side of the table, we don't confess as much as those who are Catholic. Those who are Catholic will go to the priest, and they'll confess the sin easily. They'll do their Hail Marys, they'll pay their penance, and they move on. For us, we we got pride. We don't want to confess our sin to a brother. We don't believe in James 5, 16, even though we like to talk about it, where we're supposed to confess our sins to one another because the prayer of a righteous person is heard. What if we're not confessing to one another, and that's why we're missing out on the fullness of prayer? Uh, We won't open that wound. But that being said, for each and every one of us today, I, I want us to grasp that. Confession and repentance. We we live this life. It's not where we go and we think that we have to do it because God is gonna be mad at us. See, confession and repentance says, God, I come to you because I love you more than I love my sin. And that's a hard thing. I don't care who you are, as great as you are, I'm gonna tell you Billy Graham himself, as much as he loved God, because he was human and he had flesh, there was sin that he loved more than God. All of us have it. And when we finally get it worked out, we're gonna wake up in glory. Because that's when we're ready to go and our faith will be fully sighted. Maybe his was Krispy Kreme donuts. Maybe it was building beautiful barns. Maybe it was having a great estate in North Carolina. I don't know what it was, but there was a sin that he had. All of us have that. And so, we go into confession and repentance and live this life of sanctification for each and every one of us because we love God more than the sin. So, when I say that it shouldn't be for us a forced compliance, we would call that legal confession and repentance, and it's detrimental. If you want to see an example of it, it's the Pharisees. The Pharisees had this legal confession and repentance. What is legal confession and repentance? What I mean by that is we only confess because we're afraid God's going to be mad at us if we don't do it. It's a last resort. We make sure everyone knows the table uh, that we—the chair at the table we sit in, that we tie the tenth of our spices, that we keep the Sabbath day holy, because how dare you heal a crippled man on the Sabbath? How dare you give a blind man sight on the Sabbath? How dare your disciples eat on the Sabbath? That is legalistic confession and repentance. And when we do that, we are stuck in the misery of our sin, and we try to guilt God into blessing us. Do you have those people in your life? They play the victim and they try to guilt you into blessing them do you give them blessing cheerfully or grudgingly probably grudgingly let's just be honest i i'll put it to you this way stray cats Are those who I—I'm just kidding. You already—if you know a stray cat, in a moment, I'm going to tell you this legalistic thing. You're going to see an ASPCA commercial, and there's a reason they choose a dog and not a cat. Pray for me, church. I'm just saying, legalistic, legalistic confession and repentance is saying I got caught being bad, and that's the only reason why I'm confessing to you, Jesus. Not because I hate my sin. I'm just confessing to you so I can keep doing it. And see, for us, that is not what a life of confession and repentance is because it it never allows us to walk in the freedom of Christ. See, the more we confess and repent, the more we become aware of God's grace. And when I'm more aware of God's grace, I'm definitely going to extend his forgiveness because I, as Ephesians 1.17 says, know him better. And so for that forgiveness being received requires faith in christ but forgiveness given also requires faith it requires faith see for all of us we've all got a reason why we don't forgive right the first one that i would say is used a lot especially in the church and i'll just be honest with you is the reason we don't forgive that person as we are condoning the life of sin that they are in I hear that a lot trying to get likes or clicks here and i I won't i I won't go deep into that maybe that's something we'll we'll dive into when we talk about what does the bible say about but i just want to ask you a question if that's where your stance is on forgiveness did jesus die on the cross to condone your sinful life or to set you free from it set you free So to say that because you are forgiving that person, that you are giving them a free pass to live and condone their life of sin is absolute lie from the pit of hell. Because Jesus didn't die and rise again from the cross for us to condone our life of sin. As a matter of fact, what is it that Romans 5, 8? That is, while we were yet sinners, Christ did what for us, church? He died for us. Not to condone our life of sin, but to set us free from it. So today, if that's where you're stuck in forgiving someone, I just want to remind you of the prodigal son. Really quickly, Luke 15, if you've ever read one of my favorite parables that Jesus ever tells, what happened is the youngest son goes to the dad, says, I've had enough of this, give me my inheritance, and I'm ready to go. And so dad helps him pack his bags, and he goes to a faraway land. The faraway land was Vegas, and it was the Super Bowl. They probably kicked us off for that. Sorry. But uh, he goes to the faraway land. He squanders all of his money. He's there. Charlotte's getting a web, and he's feeding Wilbur, and he just wants some of Wilbur's food and hoping that Charlotte puts his name in the web so that he can have the pods that the pig is eating. Charlotte's web, y'all. Come on. That's old school. Children's lit. If you don't know, it's okay. We got to engage people. We got to bring people in. You know what I'm saying? And so he comes to his senses. And what does that prodigal son do? He practices his repentance and confession. He said, I'm going to go to my father because there's food in his house, and I'm going to say, I don't even believe—I don't even deserve to be your son. I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you, Father. Let me at least be one of your servants. And as he's on the road home, he sees at the end of the road at the mailbox his father. And his father comes with open arms, and he wraps his arms around him, and he throws this big party. And we can see that there's a younger brother and an older brother that is in this interaction here. And the older brother missed out because of unforgiveness, and the younger brother walked in the fullness of forgiveness. So here's what I want to pull to really quick. Did the father condone the son's life of sin? No, but he loved him through it. Parents, the best thing you can do for your children, and I believe in this church, we have that, is they should know no matter where they're in, whatever season they're in, even if they're stuck in a sinful lifestyle, you aren't condoning it, but they are always welcome home. That's the hardest thing. I will tell you, as someone who doesn't have parents living anymore, you take that for granted more than you know. And so parents, give it. Give it every time while you can. Because being judgmental and being in condemnation, I didn't see the father do that to the son who came home. Instead, he just loved him and trusted in faith that if he packed his bags and sent him away to go live his sinful lifestyle, that he would come to his senses. Now, had that young man never came home, that father would have never gave up till the day he died going to into that driveway and waiting at that mailbox, hoping to catch the first glimpse of that son. Church, that's what our heavenly father does for us stuck in our sin. He goes to the end of the driveway every time. He goes, I'm going to even say better than the end of the driveway. He is waiting at the end of that empty tomb, hoping that we come to our senses and realize the freedom that is found through Christ alone and forgiveness. So today, if you're stuck in unforgiveness because you're afraid it condones that person's lifestyle, stop. Give forgiveness. Give the faith to Jesus that the Holy Spirit will do his work. Maybe you're stuck today and you say, you don't know what they've done to me. They've been too hurtful. I cannot forgive you. And and let me say this. I'm not condoning their abuse, but I'm going to say this to you. You forgiving them for their abuse, is not going to hurt you because you don't have to stay in a relationship with that person. Part of your forgiveness isn't to continue to be abused. And so maybe today you're not fooling the fullness of forgiveness, the fullness of a prayer life, the fullness of living this life of confession and repentance because you've got unforgiveness there. And if that's where you're stuck, I just want to ask you this question. When you look to the cross, because it kind of goes with both things I'm talking about. As Romans 5, 8, while we were sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me ask you, uh, did Jesus only die for some sin on the cross? All sins. As a matter of fact, Jesus said there's one unforgivable sin and it is against the Holy Spirit. In other words, it does not have faith that he is who he says he is. That's the unforgivable sin. It is faithlessness in Christ. That's it. You can't be forgiven for that because you haven't received the forgiveness of your sin of the debt paid in full. That's it. Every other sin he covered, and this is going to hurt, and it's going to hurt when I say it because it hurts me even to say it because we don't like to think about it. Adolf Hitler had the same access to Christ's forgiveness as we do. And you may say he's a horrible person. I can agree with you. He's absolutely horrible, and he didn't have faith in Christ, yet he had the same access that you and I have because the ground is level at the cross. Maybe today's the day you need to let that go. And extend that forgiveness because you extending that forgiveness is going to result in you having more freedom remember Jesus said if you forgive others your sin their sins the heavenly father will forgive your sins as a matter of fact it might be the thing if you're struggling with an addiction today it might be the very thing that sets you free from that addiction is offering that forgiveness so today do we have faith that if we give forgiveness we'll receive it what if the best part of the lord's prayer is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors how much freedom could we have in that When we say that, we know that God's the righteous judge. He's going to make all things right. He's going to take all injustice and eradicate it. Shoot, there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more cancer bells that have to be rung, no more divorce papers signed, no more bankruptcy papers signed, no more job loss, no more relationship loss, no more standing at a grave and struggling whether you're going to see that person again or not. No more! It'll be set free. And so, church, I don't know about you, because I have that, I want to share it. It doesn't mean I like it. Hey, that person who screwed you out of that money, maybe they're in a building in the church parking lot. You got to forgive. If you know, you know. <laughs> Pray for me, church. Pray for me. It's okay. You'll know when you pull out today, you'll know. You'll know. And it's okay. <laughs> it's a great building. So, that being said, all the way through, all the way, it's on the main road there. You'll see it. It's a real estate agency. But anyway, all that to say, maybe it's that. Maybe it's the person who cheated on you. Maybe it's the person who hurt you. Maybe it's the person who you just can't find the strength to forgive. And I want you to trust Jesus in faith today that he can handle it. Because here's the thing about forgiveness. There's somebody probably in this world, whether you believe it or not, that you've wronged. And wouldn't you like their forgiveness? Wouldn't you like that freedom? Freedom. See, through Christ, we can share it because we know what forgiveness forgiveness really is. We shared it a little bit earlier. When we talk about giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure here at the Vine, we're really talking about faith in the Lord, that he will do what only he can do, that others can have forgiveness. We shared it, and you can see there's so many awesome things that are, that are up there. 2,800 people in a year they've served. Over 2,800 people, that's, what, 56 people a week, give or take, That are served on monday and tuesday nights we can see clothes that were given we can see everything i will tell you we didn't go and say here's what god told us to give to you you better buy this if you don't buy this with our name on it we ain't gonna be happy if you don't give those folks our shirts or give them our hats or give them our bibles we're gonna be mad at you this is what we expect you to give we didn't do that we just gave in faith and why did we give in faith Because we want to be a part of the harvest that God has. I want to tell you right now, do you think that each and every one of those persons that showed up didn't need forgiveness for something? See, the marginalized, we love talking about. We would say, well, if I go with you, I know I'm going to see addicts there. And I'm going to tell you, you work with people right now that have addictions that you don't even know about. So that's why we give in faith. Not just so that we can experience forgiveness, so that all have an opportunity to experience the forgiveness of the Lord. We give in faith knowing that 50 razor kits, 40 Tums, 40 bottles of Tums, praise Jesus, somebody knows GI issues, lotion and shampoo and headphones and deodorant, and through that they thought they were just getting something to get through the day and they found Jesus. See, what if your forgiveness is the opportunity for someone to find Jesus? So before we started, as we get ready to close here in a moment, all of us were given this little card and as you pull that out i want to ask you something as we get to this little card how many of us go to a chiropractor if you know me i'm I'm not quite one i haven't i haven't got that why do you go to the chiropractor to get something it's a word you get it for your tires too you get it for your car it's what aligned right straightened out because what happens when you're out of alignment if you're you got neck pain, you got you got hip dysplasia, your sciatica's messed up, right? Like you can't walk right. There's issues that happen if you're not aligned. And so you go to the chiropractor to get aligned cuz you know you can feel when you're out of alignment. Now when you leave the chiropractor, how do you feel? Do you feel better or worse? Probably better some. I don't know. I don't go. So I haven't I haven't made that I haven't made that leap yet. But most would say you're, you're better imme- uh, immediately, maybe you get better to get back aligned. So let me ask you this, what if forgiveness in your life is what puts you back in alignment? What if that forgiveness is what helps you walk in the freedom like that chiropractor? Instead of a chiropractor, you're going to the Lord. So here's what you got to do with this card. I'm, you're not going to do anything right now with it. You said, well, why'd you make me get it out? Because it's great to have a visual. You're going to bring it back with you next week. Here's what I want you to think about. Every person who's wronged you that needs forgiveness. I want you to write it down, and I want you to pray about it this week. Maybe that person's gone. Maybe that person's still here. Ask the Lord what He would have you do to forgive them, and trust Him in it. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to bring it back next week, we're going to have some fun with it. We're not going to put any on screen. Don't think that anything like that. We're actually going to do something when we bring our 2024 word down, and and I just want to say, as you write that list, I want you to think about that. And if your list takes two, side of the, two sides of the card, I guess that's awesome. I guess uh, the Lord will let you walk in, conven- in, in, in convenience. But when you bring this back, leave one side of the card for me next week because we're going to do something with it. See, for those of us in Christ, we can go to him in faith and know that we can give and extend forgiveness. Went a little long today. Sorry, I get excited about this. Um, for those who aren't in Christ today, I just want to ask you about your list Maybe like my man Sheldon, you're on the list, right? You're on the list. How's that list going for you, that grudge list? Giving you freedom? See, what happens when you don't have the forgiveness of Christ and you're not trusting Christ for forgiveness of others is you are trying to carry the debt of that person's sin. And it's robbing you of peace, freedom, and forgiveness. And so today, if you've never considered Jesus, I just want to say maybe you've got so many grudges because you've never first experienced the full forgiveness of Christ. You got to receive his forgiveness in order to extend it. What that means is instead of you carrying the debt for your sin, you're giving it to Jesus. And instead of holding that grudge, you're not carrying the debt of their sin, you're putting it to Jesus. And so today, if you've never considered Jesus, here's what happens, sin is anything that is not perfect. Sin is anything that is not perfect. And I don't know about you, none of us are perfect. See, all of us were made in the image of God in perfection to be in right relationship with Him, but then sin entered in and we couldn't do that anymore. We were no longer perfect. No matter how hard we tried, no matter how hard we strived, we could not be perfect in spite of us. Instead of leaving us in that state, God said, I will make a way for a sacrifice to be made so that you can come in my presence like you were created to do. But see, here's the crazy thing. Even though you brought the sacrifice, even the priest of God could only go into his presence once a year in the Holy of Holies, and God said, there's even more I want for you. Instead of you having to go to this place to experience my presence, I want my presence in you. So he came down to us to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus came, lived the perfect, sinless life we couldn't live, being perfection for us, died the eternal sacrifice for us, carrying the debt and the weight of our sin, the cost of our forgiveness on the cross. And he loved us enough not to stay dead. He rose again on the third day so that we can walk in the freedom of forgiveness now, not in eternity. And so Paul says it this way, and we've talked about the only prayer that is heard by God is the prayer of faith. He talks to us about how we can have this forgiveness from Christ. And he says it in Romans 10, verse nine and 10. And he says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. It's not the words of this prayer, it's the faith. It's both and. You are declaring and believing in faith. And so, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we are praying together out loud as a family in God's house for those who are coming to faith for the first time. So please, would everyone repeat these words after me? Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, live the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, die the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life, the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, whether you're in this house or you're watching online, if for the first time you have prayed this prayer and faith and received the gift of salvation through Christ alone, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Three. If that's you and the first time you are doing this, if you're online, I want to encourage you to shoot us a text message or shoot us a message on social media. You may see a comment there. You can reach out to us at thevine.tv response. We want to celebrate this decision with you because this isn't the finish line, but the starting block. And we would love to get you in touch with a local church near you. And for the rest of us, if you want to go ahead and you can look up and stand up, we're going to step into this moment of worship. I'm going to ask as we go into this moment, Would we make room for Jesus to do what only he could do, even in extending that forgiveness to that person you thought you never could?
0: is my surrender.
1: All right. Well, we are so thankful you have been here. About That would have been awesome. So thankful I'd had to forgive the carpet that we have in the house of the Lord. We're looking forward to you joining us next week, having some fun in the house of the Lord, forgiving those uh, who may pick a team against you in the Super Bowl. And I'm hoping that you're forgiving a certain singer maybe that is there that everyone is not happy with right now. But most importantly, I want to say this, and that's U-S-H-E-R-R-A-Y-M-O-N-D. Pray for me. Y'all already know. If you already know, see, the laughter knows. Middle school life, if you know, you know. It's all right. Uh, You can't let it burn. I'm just saying. We can't wait to see you next week. We, I, My prayer is that this week, the Lord opens your eyes, and not only as you get to share forgiveness with others, that you receive it like never before. That person you thought hated you would never talk to you again because of what you did to them, I hope they call you this week. And I hope you get to walk in the freedom of that forgiveness. That person you thought you could never forgive, I hope you get to show them the love of Jesus like never before and show them that God sees them, God hears them, and God loves them. The best is still yet to come. We'll see you next week.